Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, real quick, this episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello, hello, and welcome to the new Mindset Who Dis podcast. My name is Case Kenny at case.kenny on Instagram. And this is my weekly podcast where I create short, no BS episodes dedicated to helping you be the person you're meant to be, leave your comfort zone and live a fulfilling and purposeful life. Let's go. Welcome to a special episode. It's a live listener Q&A episode. Welcome to New Mindset Who This. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And today, uh, I want to answer some of your questions. Yesterday, I put out a story on Instagram asking you to send me short voice notes with questions that I can answer. And that's what I'm going to do. I got quite a few questions, um, way more than last time, which is pretty cool. So thank you for that. And in the future, please keep sending them. Uh, I like this format. Quick hits, easy questions. Well, not easy questions, but short, simple questions with hopefully short and simple answers um, that I can try to be helpful in just a few minutes each. And I got a bunch of questions, but I chose a couple here that I think will really resonate with most people and will be helpful not only to whoever asked it, but also other people who might have the same issue or question or are looking for a mindful approach uh, in their own life. So let's hop into it. Listener Q&A episode Definitely let me know if you enjoy this format, and I'll keep doing it. But this was question number one. Hey, Case. My name's and I wonder what your thoughts were on right person, wrong time. Recently, I felt like that that's something I'm going through, and I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Great. Uh, thank you for that question. And I feel pretty strongly about this. It's something that I've done episodes on before. Right person, wrong time. That's right person, wrong time for any number of reasons, right? Maybe that person is still hung up on a past relationship. Maybe you were formerly in a you know toxic relationship and you're still working on you know trying to renew your enthusiasm for dating. Maybe one of you or both of you are you know heads down, really dedicated to your career. You're putting in hours, whatever it is, right? But here's what I think: when you say you've met the right person, but it's the wrong time. Truthfully, I think that's a a backwards way of saying that person is the wrong person. If someone tells you that you're the right person, but it's the wrong time, 
it's a very tough pill to swallow, but I think what they really mean to say is they're not convinced you're the right person for you. In my opinion, right person, wrong time means wrong person. That's what I think. When you meet someone you truly vulnerable, vulnerably think is the right person and you're willing to say that, mean it, act on it, the timing becomes right. It becomes right or it just becomes irrelevant. I really do believe that there's no right time for anything in life. There's no perfect time to start a new job or launch your business or whatever. And there certainly is no perfect, perfect time to fall for someone or to explore potential with someone. There's never a right time. To say the timing is wrong, I think it's just an excuse. And there's some exceptions, of course, like some kind of, you know, deep trauma or family issues or health issues that like literally demand your physical or emotional attention. I think the concept of right person, wrong time really just comes down to your level of awareness and how honest, brutally honest you're willing to be. If you're saying someone is right for you, but the timing is wrong, what I think you want to say, but you're struggling to admit is that that person just isn't right for you. Because if someone was truly right for you and you were convinced of that, you would at least try to fight the wrong timing. You would at least try. The right person, in my opinion, makes the wrong timing right. Or at minimum, they just make it irrelevant. If someone tells you the timing is wrong, what he or she really means is they're not willing to try because deep down they're not convinced you're the right person for them. If you were truly right for that other person, the timing would become irrelevant. It might not be easy. It truly might not be. It might still be very complicated. But if you're convinced that someone might be right for you, you're at least willing to try. That is my thesis. It could mean, you know, one of you is moving cities. It could mean one of you is starting a new intense job. It could mean one of you is hot off another relationship and, you know, you're still working through that. But I really do believe that if you're both vulnerable, honest, and you believe it in your core that someone might be right for you, you're not going to throw that away and just say wrong time. You're going to at least explore trying, even if it is complicated. If you find yourself saying that person was right, but the timing is wrong, I would say check yourself. Is that really true? Is that really true? Or are you falling back on some, you know, magical timing that you envision for yourself? Maybe deep down, you know the person isn't right for you, but you don't want to admit it. If you find yourself being told you're right, but the timing is wrong, I know that really sucks, of course, but know that if you really were right for them, the timing would become irrelevant. That is my take on this. Clearly, I've, I've thought about it a fair amount. So that's that. Next question. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but how do you learn or, I don't know, I guess teach yourself how to forgive yourself for the things that you've done that you regret and that other people have shamed you on for so long? I think that I'm struggling so hard with forgiving myself for a lot of things that I've done and I don't know how to let go of it. So Cool. Thank you for that question. So what I think is helpful for this topic is Consider the things that you struggle to forgive yourself for and find some common themes amongst them. Or even if it's just one thing, what is the theme though, right? Maybe you're hesitant to forgive yourself for dating your ex, right? They were wrong for you, but you were blinded. Maybe you're hesitant to forgive yourself for, you know, you tried and failed at some business venture. You gave it all, but it was a flop. Maybe you're hesitant to forgive yourself for thinking you were ready for a new job, you left your own job only to old job only to realize it was a mistake, or maybe you're hesitant to forgive yourself for not standing up for yourself or asking for more, or going back to your ex or whatever it is, right? What do those regrets, those things that you're struggling to forgive yourself for have in common at the deepest level? 
those are moments where in the past you trusted yourself. You trusted yourself. In retrospect, now you realize that those were moments where you made a wrong decision, but at the time you were making the decision, it was simply a moment where you trusted yourself. You trusted that you should see potential in your ex and that you should date them. You trusted that you should try that new business, that you had what it takes. You trusted that you were ready to leave your job and start a new one. You trusted that, you know, not speaking up or playing it cool or whatever it was, was the right decision. Those were moments in the past where you trusted yourself. You trusted that your instinct was right. And now in the present, with hindsight, you realize it wasn't. But in that moment, it was you, you looking yourself in the mirror saying, this is a decision that I'm going to make because I trust it's the right one. It was you acting on what you thought was right with your intuition. So really now in the present, when you're hesitant to forgive yourself, I think what you're really hesitant to do is to trust yourself again. So let's pivot this. Instead of you know trying to force forgiveness, can you push yourself to trust yourself again? Trust yourself again. When you hold on to blame or guilt or resentment against yourself for having made certain decisions in the past, really, again, what you're doing is you're, you're struggling to trust yourself. Forgiving yourself means trusting yourself again. And don't you think you deserve to live life with trust in yourself? That's trusting that whatever decision you do make, whether it leads you to an ideal outcome or not, you're at peace with it. Trusting yourself is freedom. It's peace. And you deserve to trust yourself. You deserve to trust that your empathy is well served, that your inclination to see the best in others is well served, that your vision for more is well served. You deserve to trust that, you know, who you are, your drive, your motivation, your creativity, all these attributes are well served. So just a quick reframing here uh, on the idea of forgiveness. That's not something you can force. So maybe let's reframe it into trusting ourselves again. Hopefully that gives you something to consider. Next question. Why is it that women are stuck on the not chasing thing that they won't even match energy and effort because they consider it chasing? Thanks for that question. Uh, Interesting question. Interesting question. You know, why is it that some women won't match energy and effort because they consider it chasing and women don't chase? Um, Yeah, interesting. I haven't really thought about this, to be honest. And I think my answer would be as follows. I think we need to separate overall chasing, emotional chasing, convincing, pleading, negotiating from what I would refer to as maybe step one chasing, right? A lot of women want men to make the first move, step one, step one chasing. Personally, I think that's a bit silly. I think it's setting yourself up to be passive, but if that's someone's choice, that's fine. And you know, it is tradition. So I think you, me as men, we should just be okay with that. You know, we make the first move. Fine, cool. It's tradition. It's what we do. It's it's a fun thing that, to do. That's step one chasing. It's the reality of life. From there, though, we need to get real. You don't want to be with someone who only matches your emotional energy, who is only willing to love or try first if you love or try first, right? You deserve to be someone who does it right there alongside of you. Sure, maybe whoever you're with, they want you to make the first move, but from there, They need to be more than willing to be emotionally vulnerable and eager right alongside of you. And I'm sure you'd agree. And I think women especially are realizing that dating advice like whoever cares less wins, I only match energy. More and more women are realizing that that is terrible advice. It's terrible advice. I think for a long time, some women, again, this is just my perspective looking out. I think a lot of women for a long time looked to men to care first. And then they would care too. And right, that was a way to avoid being hurt. 
But I think a lot of women have realized how passive that makes them, how much time it wastes and how much control you're giving up in life. So I think my answer for you uh, who asked this question, sure, some women, a lot of women, you know, they might be stuck in, I wait for men to come to me only. I only match energy. I never make the first move. And that's okay, right? I see even more women, however, realizing that that's not the path for them because that's passive. I see more and more women making the first move, or if not, once men make that move, they're willing, more than willing to be open and eager and honest with no fear of judgment because they want what they want and they're willing to show it. So I think the answer here is be patient with yourself, be a bit kinder to yourself, and you'll find that type of woman because she does exist. Most of my listenership, most of who I communicate with every day via the podcast are women who share story after story with me of shooting their shot, going first, being willing to try, being willing to be vulnerable first. So my answer is, you know, recognize that and then maybe a dash of patience and realizing that these women do exist. So that's my answer there. Next question. Hey, Case. Um, I don't even know if I have one succinct question, but really it's just about maintaining hope. Um, I am a professional uh, working woman in my early forties and, you know, I have, um, confidence. I know who I am. I feel like I've worked through a lot of the, the bad dating patterns of my twenties and thirties. And it's just tougher to find, uh, you know, really grounded, good guys out there. I, I put myself out there on the dating apps, um, go out, you know, on my own and, and really try and take an active approach and kind of putting myself out there um, confidently and just being who I am. But it just seems like there's always a disappointment. Um, so any advice or suggestions on not giving up? <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think the question is right. How do you maintain hope amidst, you know, a timeline that is longer than you wanted? And I could say all kinds of things like good things come to those who wait or embrace being single, all that stuff. But really... To build hope, to maintain hope, we have to know why the thing on the other side of hope, the outcome, is worth having hope for in the first place. And I've talked about this before, and so really the key to staying hopeful is reminding yourself why love is worth the risk, why it's worth the ups and downs, the frustrations, really kind of what you just described. So that's the question. Is love worth the risk? And I see a lot of people and their experiences and the, the, their delays and I see them turn around and define future experiences based on those past experiences. You know, I see people say, all men are this way or all women are this way. I see people make sweeping negative assumptions about life and people based on people who hurt them in the past, right? When someone hurts you, when a couple people hurt you and, right, you turn around and then say, all people are that way. When that's the case, is love worth the risk? Is hope worth hanging on to? Right. If everyone is the same, if you're basing your your future potential based on past experiences, is there room for hope? Well, by that logic, probably not. If you define the future by the past, if you generalize all people based on past experiences of the people who disappointed you or the missteps or the mistakes, is hope worth hanging on to? Well, when that's the case, probably not logically, but it is worth the risk. You can find hope if you're willing to hit reset. Love is worth the risk if you rid yourself of your human inclination to define the future by the past. It's worth the risk if you rid yourself of that human inclination to generalize based on past experiences. 
So I think we have to learn to get to a place where we can be hurt or disappointed or we feel like we're falling behind, but we don't tie those feelings or those experiences to the future. Love, I think, is always worth the risk if we can come back to the truth that one person's poor intentions are not someone else's. One person's lack of honesty is not someone else's. One person's mistreatment of you is not someone else's. Love is worth the risk when we find the strength to wipe the slate clean every time. Because otherwise, why would hope be worth hanging on to? If everyone is the same, if everyone is this way, and everyone is going to just mirror your past experiences, why would hope be worth hanging on to? Why would it? But flip it, love is worth the risk. Hope is worth hanging on to when you learn to wipe the slate clean after being hurt, frustrated, X, Y, Z. When you learn to look that experience in the eye and say, that experience was frustrating. It was, but not every relationship will be that way. Love is worth the risk. So just an anecdote here about looking at love and hope through a lens um, like this. So that's my answer there. Next question. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Quince. And I'm a pretty simple guy, a man of simple pleasures, but I do occasionally like to dress up and step out. And that's why I'm excited to work with Quince to help me elevate my style without breaking the bank. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And that's why their items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they have all the must-haves like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, 100% leather jackets, and a versatile flow knit activewear. Quince was kind enough to hook me up with a sick gold Cuban bracelet and a really stylish performance flow knit t-shirt. Really my style, simple but with a pop of luxury, and as advertised, it was very affordable. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash new mindset for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash new mindset to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash new mindset. Hey, Case, just wanted to go ahead and ask a question. How come I always get the wrong girl at the wrong time? And how can I make myself available to the right girl? Interesting question. Thank you for this. Um, well, I don't think it's a matter of some blueprint, right? Like, I think life will, almost by measure, will throw the wrong people at you until it presents the right person. And I think the key then is to be able to spot the difference. And sure, there's probably something to be said here actually about, you know, maybe you have a type. If you find yourself repeatedly with the same type of wrong, then I think we should definitely evaluate that. Why are you attracted to the same type of wrong? That's honestly, it's on you. And I think we can definitely unwrap that and hopefully give, you know, give you freedom to look elsewhere and not get drawn back into that. I would encourage you to listen to episode 501 on why the idea of the law of attraction might be leading you to find familiarity in chaos, familiarity with the wrong people. That's like finding people who mirror your own issues and then you have double trouble and it's no wonder you find the wrong people. So consider that. 
But more so, I think this idea of wrong people is really important to listen to. The wrong people lead you to the right people if you listen to the why behind the wrong, right? Why are they the wrong people for you? What about them is wrong? Specifically, write that shit down. Remember it so you don't fall into it again, right? We need to remember the qualities of these wrong people. The wrong people make you question yourself. They make you think dating is a miserable process. They make you feel insecure or self-conscious. And I think we need to recognize this, right? And you don't want a wrong person in your life. You want the right person. And I think the key to making space for them is reminding yourself who you are, what you deserve, and that it doesn't change based on someone's past inability to meet you at your level. So consider that when you're trying to evaluate the wrongness of these past people. So that's my answer there. And next question. My question is, how do I enjoy myself being alone? Okay. Uh, I love this question and thank you for it. And I, I love you. <laughs> I hope this helps. Um, and I'll pivot it slightly to say this idea of being single, right? The, the presence of the question in a single person's life of why are you single? Why are you single? Why does that sting so much? Whether we're asking it to ourselves or someone is asking us it. I think the negative stigma around being single does more harm to your mental health than actually being single. So I think there's an opportunity to take our power back here from words and culture and pressure. Culture has made being single this inevitable negative status that we need to avoid, that we need to escape as fast as possible. Because the longer you're single, it really does become easier to assume there's something wrong with you. You're unlovable. You're falling behind all these natural things, but they're worsened by some weird cultural stigma and questions like, why are you single? Or why am I single? We need to reframe what we think about ourselves and our relationship status. There's no getting around the fact that as you progress into your late 20s and 30s and beyond that, there is 100% a social expectation that you achieve certain milestones, relationship milestones. That's inevitable. And I don't think anything I can say will uproot culture in that sense. But I think we should consider something here. And I, I talk a lot about this. It's that of all the things you might regret in your life, do you honestly think that your single years, your alone years will be one of them? I write about this a lot. And I've talked to countless married couples of all ages, parents, grandparents, older generations. I ask them this all the time. I ask them what they regret. I have never heard anyone say they regret being single. There are plenty of things they do regret, but I've never heard them say being single was one of them. The regrets I hear are staying in toxic relationships, putting up with people who are beneath them, not taking advantage of being single, thinking that a relationship is everything in life. That's literally the opposite of what you might be stressed out about right now, right? And again, I don't blame you. It's easy to feel like you're falling behind. It's easy to feel lonely. That's another subject. The odds are stacked against you culturally with friends and family and social media. But the question is, have you challenged this pressure that you feel? This, that you feel with this word single and alone. So I would just say, try this. Would you say the following is true about the vision you have for your future partner? They love themselves. <laughs> would you say that's true? Would you say your future partner loves themselves, that they know what they stand for? They have values. They have confidence. They've learned from their past. That's the question. Now think about yourself. To make that your reality, that person needs to be you. That person needs to be you. It's a cliche line, but a healthy, long-lasting relationship needs to be two whole people coming together, not two halves coming together, not two people with no sense of identity coming together. It needs to be two people who have already put in work themselves, individually, alone. And right now you have that exact opportunity. 
You have that exact opportunity. And for every failed date or relationship that ended or, you know, time where you do feel lonely, you are building yourself. And I know that's cheesy. I I know. I hope it doesn't sound patronizing, but I really do think it's true. Because right now you're finding what makes you happy. You're finding your confidence. You're realizing that some people do not deserve you. You're figuring out what your love language is. All these things. How could this possibly be a time you'll regret? How could you possibly regret being able to do whatever you want, become whoever you want, figure it out, whatever it is you want to do? There will always be pressure, yes. There will always be expectations, yes. But do you buy into them? Do you internalize them? Being single doesn't mean anything beyond being single. What do you lack right now? A partner, sure, but you're not broken. There's nothing to fix. You're single. At this point right now, you're single, but you're building your own definition of happiness and fulfillment. And in that sense, you might be alone, but it doesn't mean you can't have the most amazing, fulfilling, growth-oriented years of your life. Isn't that a great realization? The, The work, the life you're living now is literally going to save you so much emotional and energetic frustration in the future. You're eventually going to find someone who's going to be on the same page and they're going to amplify all the things you're doing now. I think that sounds amazing. So just something to consider that this with this, you know, this pressure is always going to exist, but you can choose to not allow it to affect your view of yourself. So that's my answer here. Next question. Hi, I was wondering what your take was on age difference in a relationship in terms of being with someone, building a relationship with someone. Do you find that age is just a number or do you think that it is something that is relevant in terms of a relationship? Interesting question. I think I'll answer it very, very quickly. Um, I would say, yes, of course, it's relevant. Of course, age is relevant. You know, I fall into the cliche sometimes that says men mature slower. You know, they want to get more out of life early on. A lot of men fall into a trap of thinking that a relationship will dull their life or make them lose their independence in their man card. A lot of men are that way. So certainly men who fall into certain ages fall into that and we need to be aware of that. But not all men, (laughs) not all men are that way. And when you find someone who doesn't fit that stereotype, then yes, I would say age is just a number. Mindset is what matters. How does he view a relationship? That's what matters. What purpose does a relationship serve for him? That's what matters. And if you're lying there, then I don't think it matters. Maturity matters. Mindset matters. Aligned vision matters. Age does not if those boxes are checked. So that's my answer. Next question. So many people are workaholics. My question is, how do you know if you're being unreasonable with your expectations about making time for each other with very busy schedules and sometimes feeling like you go maybe two weeks or longer without really even seeing the person. What are some ways to make sure your expectations are fair and supportive of their goals? Okay, good question. And this will be the last one here um, and I'll keep it short. I think this idea brings me to a larger idea that love partnership between two busy people uh love is a verb it's a choice it's something you both do much like making time for each other tough choices choices that make you reprioritize things in life Uh, i did an episode not too long ago where i asked the question how do you know when you're in love well my answer was it's when you make the choice to do the difficult things that reflect your love and when your partner does the things and makes the choices to do the things that reflect their love. 
Love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. It's not just something you say, well, I'm in love, so I need to put up with X, Y, Z. We need to look at love, commitment, and partnership through the lens of choices, choices that both of you make. That's a choice to be open and honest, to make time for each other. Choices, choices defined by actions, by commitment to certain actions. And, you know, of course, love is most certainly a feeling to say that it's not. That would be very unfair. It's a full mind, heart, body feeling. But the feeling is made real by choices. And choices remind you of that feeling, even when it's not at its strongest peak. Choices. And so you deserve to see those choices made by your partner in the same way you make them for them. So that's kind of my answer there. We need to, we need a balance in life. Of course, a career is very important. Desire to be able to support a family financially is very important. We all carry fears and baggage with us into relationships in that regard, have conversations about those things. But from there, we've, we've got to look at choices, tough choices, choices to say, this is important, but this is also important. So I will make the choice to make time, to move things around, to reprioritize. So that's my answer there. Uh, I'll end this episode here. We're getting a little longer than I normally go, but I hope this was helpful. If it was, please let me know if you enjoy the Q&A format. I'll be sure to do more of them in the future. But that's it. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And until next episode, I'm out. Thank you.